Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast where nobody is stepping down from anything at the moment. I'm your host, Benny, and this week, me and fellow co-host Mayank had an opportunity to speak with former Tamil Nadu cricketer Malolan Rangarajan, who currently serves as the head of scouting and fielding coach with RCB and the assistant coach and strategy coach with the SKN Patriots in the CPL. Fresh off a championship win in the Caribbean, Malolin, or Malo, as he prefers to be called, chatted with us on a whole range of topics from his stints with the SKN Patriots, the amount of strategy planning that goes into each campaign, his experiences of working with the likes of Dwayne Bravo and Chris Gale, and his decision to move on from his playing days to become a coach. All that and more, right after this. Malo and Rangarajan, also known as Malo, uh, welcome to The Last Wicked. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. Looking forward to the next hour or so, or however long we end up speaking for. Yeah, and I'm so glad you agreed to come on, especially considering the time is 11 p.m. for you right now. And uh, the fact you've had a very long day, a long week, uh, and yeah. lots to talk about. Uh, but, you know, before we get into all of that, congratulations, because obviously, uh, even though you're at the IPL now and getting ready for kind of a long uh, half season ahead with RCB, we yeah. need to talk about yeah. your recent uh, win as a coach uh, yep. at CPL. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, how does it feel? Thank you so much. I mean, uh, especially considering the year we had last year, even though I couldn't join the squad last year because of my commitments with RCB, having finished last on the table and uh, to turn a corner, if I can say that, and go on to win the tournament, it's an absolute, what should I say? I mean, there's been a lot of work that's been put in and sometimes you just, after becoming coach, you realize that, you know, there's not much you can control 
uh, once the players are in the field. But there's been a lot of work that we've put in the last, so we're in September now. So since mm-hmm. about Feb of this year, right? It's been a lot of work. Yeah. So it's very nice. I, I can say that. Yeah, it's been a very good feeling to be a champion with the champion. So that's true. In yeah, in Bravo. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. it's 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 crazy though because that was just a few days ago but you're already on to your next assignment has it even sunk in have you even been able to just enjoy that feeling of champions even before you move on to your next task uh, honestly being part of the CPL they do call it the biggest party and i can tell you it is one party that tournament no doubt about it but yeah, so the final I think finished at around two to thirty p.m. local time or three o'clock, and uh, we were at the, we had to get back to the hotel at four thirty. So, and uh, had to leave for the airport at five. So you could imagine how much we could have partied in those two and a half hours. <laughs> Nothing, we couldn't do anything. Uh, the boys uh, who were there who stayed back in the bubble promised they'd do our bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like you said, it's moved on. I was on a different continent 48 hours back and now I'm here and uh, in a couple of days time we play our first game. So it's just the fact that we've won. Uh, we, uh, personally speaking, you know, every step of the way, uh, we were able to sit. I mean, I was able to sit and see where we were and what work had gone in. So every step was an achievement, especially when you finished uh, last on the table. You're right. only looking at, uh, there's only one way and that's going up. So, uh, so every time, so we went on a roll of five wins initially in the tournament. And then we had this, uh, not to say a scare, but we had a few injuries. We couldn't play our best 11. And then we had a couple of pullouts because of national call-ups. And uh, we lost uh, another uh, member of the team due to COVID protocols. And I'm uh, pretty sure you guys might have read on read about that. So getting in replacements. So we were, I think there was a game where we had only 12 and uh, the head coach and myself were running rings around hmm. uh, during the game. So yeah, every step of the way there was there were challenges, but you're always looking at the next game. It's almost, see, other than cricket, there's one sport I really love. Uh, it is uh, football. And what fascinates me is the press, uh, manager's press conference. And when he says, uh, when when he has like four tournaments to compete for, and he says the next game is the most important. And in my mind, I'm sitting and I think, what are you joking me? You've got so many other things to play for. And you're focusing only on one game. So that kind of made sense to me when we went on that five and three roll, five wins and three rolls. I mean, three losses roll. Uh, and then you're just looking at okay, just one game. We needed to win one game against Tikia to confirm our uh, spot in the semi-finals. Obviously, right. there's a lot of work that goes goes in behind the scene um, to do that. But yeah, then and also the scheduling of the CPL by itself, it wasn't like you had time. You played the semifinals at 2:30 p.m. local time, finished at around 6:37, and you waking up in less than uh, 12 hours uh, to go and play the final again. And what a final that was! Yeah, my God, yeah, my God, and, yeah. and that's. So, yeah, and that's that's an amazing experience because yeah, you're now you moved on to your next assignment. You know, working in the IPL, uh, but you know, 
that experience is incredible because you you mentioned the champion uh Dwayne Bravo yeah. he has won four out of the last five CPL titles but this is the first with the the Patriots what what yeah. is the experience of working with him and you know Chris Gale and all those star players yeah in my experience the last two two and a half years come across a lot of champions mm-hmm. cricketers great cricketers world class cricketers and each of them have their own strengths is what i've understood and uh, dj as, as a captain is such a hands on captain a very good mentor uh, he's got all the cliched lines associated with him and i'm not, I'm not even joking and he, and he lives up to each of them a very good mentor to the youngsters uh, i would credit dominic drakes's rise he's been with the patriots for i think 3 years 3 or 4 years now he's shown glimpses of this potential but to have come through this year i mean i'm sure if you get to talk to him he himself will say that uh, uh, dj played a great role and i think that is his uh, forte as a captain that he just he gives attention to each and every one so i think uh, we have sent it played 20 people in the 11 we had 20 uh, players this year i think everyone was treated the same chris also had to step in as a captain when uh, uh, dj was injured and even then the, the the passion these guys have to win was unparalleled and uh, they did always go that one step ahead and uh, you know take the responsibility i remember one of the games we were playing i think uh, it was after we lost to tkr the last 10th game and uh, we weren't uh, upset so to say because especially when they went back to the golden age format of semi finals and finals uh, and so there's no motivation to finish 1 2 3 for the only motivation was if you finished 1 and 4 you get to play the 10 am game otherwise you're playing the 230 game so i remember dj speaking and the words he said uh, don't worry about the semi finals and finals the experience players will stand up and that's what happened in the semi finals uh, uh, with evan and chris finishing the game the first six overs honestly speaking was yeah. gayana if there's one thing they're a solid bowling unit and nothing i mean not that they are not a good solid batting unit but in my eyes i think they were they on paper the best team uh, for the tournament uh, but yeah those guys sometimes more often than not walk the talk yeah and now we're yeah. moving on to the ipl where it's more of that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, quality is just amazing, and the cricketers here are almost alien-like. All right, so Mala, let's get into it. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the strategy part of your job with um, the Patriots, and um, I just wanted to understand from a fan's perspective. We start looking at each tournament when either the draft happens or IPL's case, the auction. but when do you start planning for a season uh, you know let's say this time it started in august so when did you start planning and who all were involved in that planning um so uh the uh i won't be able to answer this in a very structured way because my mind's like working because once you ask me this question i you have you have flashes of memory coming oh we did this we did that <laughs> uh, uh but i'll just get to the dj bravo part of it because dj bravo wasn't with us until very late i don't even remember when we signed maybe in july so our planning initially was so first credit goes to the owner to 
have given myself and the coach a free hand in uh, picking the team but i think the work first initially starts with what is the structure of the team we are looking at and these are the learnings for me from my experiences in other teams and what not so we look at a structure uh, as to what we have we obviously knew that this is going to be a small draft so we knew who we were going to reach and even though we finished uh, last on the table the previous season the fact is that our west indian core is one of the best in the league uh, uh, we obviously missed uh, fabian allen's services last season so as far as to win any league you need your local core players to be at least a good decent quality but we had top notch world class quality so we were lucky that way um, and uh, we had taken a different path for the year uh, 2020 as far as signing our overseas players and even this year we were unlucky in a different way where right in my opinion i think we signed top notch signings but due to reasons we don't i mean we can't control they weren't able to join us um so yeah so the process actually if i have to say start sometime in february because the tournament finishes in september we have yeah i remember starting this process in jan to be honest with you uh where you're talking about what retentions are what the releases are yeah jan that side because we have we had to send out emails by march so you're deciding what the retentions are what the releases are what the possible trades are and that's where it got interesting for us uh, later in, in the later half of the year uh with dj as soon as we got a whiff of possibility that uh, dj was going to uh might be interested uh, we pounced on it because he obviously gives us three skills and most importantly he's the captain we were looking for um and obviously who doesn't want a winner uh so yeah so it involves getting in a st- I mean, finding a structure uh, and uh, we worked tirelessly with uh, our team analyst also who who's vikram uh vikram chandrasekhar is he's been wonderful so as far as giving us all the stats so what we we work in a way where he brings in the stats i try to bring context to the stats we put together something uh which makes sense because stats by itself to me are just numbers without context you might find someone having a strike rate of 181 60 or whatever but you need to break that down even further so yeah so that goes on for about two two months is where the release and retentions happen the next two months you're looking at possible trades and uh, in the month of may or june you're looking at uh, your draft Mm-hmm. so i've just been part of two small drafts so it hasn't been uh, particularly hard uh, it's been pretty right. straight straightforward but uh, yeah, so it's almost like a six month uh, process but you're not working through the six months but uh, right. you're looking at a six month process so by the end of june you have a squad ready to go and uh, july you're looking for replacements like we did <laughs> with our overseas players yeah july august you're looking for replacements and with all the covid it's not easy at all trust me right getting in players and yeah. what about so you mentioned some players who you're retaining were they also involved when like were they giving inputs at all in who we should uh, who you should try to draft absolutely 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 so we we 
even last year we had soldier giving us a few inputs even this year gave us a few inputs to speak to uh soon as dj came in dj obviously had a lot of inputs but yeah uh they're not actively involved but they do uh, send in their uh, thoughts as and when they feel like uh, but uh, you know the core group sits with the two ceos the owner and then we have our coaching staff and the analyst who uh, who work and uh, yeah i'm i'm curious uh, because when you develop the strategy so you, you talked about all the inputs but then there's also the capabilities of the the players themselves um the pitches you play on all those kind of thing now do you see what other t20 teams in different leagues are doing successfully like you know either in the 100 or in the psl ipl do you take any of those pointers when you're working with you know one specific team like like you do in the cpl absolutely this is you you see so much uh, and you learn so much when you're part of like i said different leagues and i try to take bits and pieces everywhere everywhere because if if you're not going to be open to change and if you're going to be resistant to change you're done trust me so i'm the last person so yeah you i mean you do learn so like i was thinking uh, talking to you about uh, a little while back about numbers numbers are good yeah but uh, they can't be, they can't be your decision makers they have to be your decision aiders there's a very distinct uh, dis- uh, difference there right so uh, yeah so you learn you also look at the person also i think one of the two of our signings this year as our replacement signing i think were killer signings not because they did well but uh, if you had to go by numbers you wouldn't be picking paul when kiran and uh, nasim shah mm. sometimes you have to break that barrier and look at the skill they might bring in so we were absolutely sure that we needed someone who could bowl 140 clicks and plus and we didn't have that from a west indies uh, a local standpoint so that's when paul when kiran came in and as soon as the tournament went by we found another trend that bowlers were bowling 140 plus even though the smarter ball didn't show that as 140 visually we knew that was 140 that's a different conversation by itself we 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 realized that maybe two bowlers might be the way to go about it so that again is a learning uh, where we found trends in between a tournament thing okay maybe there's a trend with bowlers who are actually bowling quicker that's when we drafted in nasim also so that i in my opinion uh, helped us because we have this habit of creating trends midway through the tournament trying to find out what winning team at that point we obviously were uh, the winning team midway through the tournament so it wasn't helpful so we were trying to see what other teams were doing or what we were doing right or wrong and things like that and then you get numbers then you put context to those numbers and the challenge with uh, the cpl or even i uh, ipl for that fact is uh, what has happened is you just put away the venue for uh, a venue away because you don't know where you're going to be playing especially the cpl at the time when the cpl draft happened we had no clue we had an idea that it might be st kitts but we you never too sure until you actually land up st kitts hmm. so in my opinion you will have to more often than not in these current uh, times park the traditional thought of trying to pick players who do well in a certain kind of condition but all or and additional look of players who might be able to customize them to different kind of conditions you know this is just my my impression as at an outside observer 
But yeah. when I think of West Indian players, you know, the Caribbean yeah. cricketers, uh, the immediate impression that I get is, you know, they're very free flowing, very natural, very instinctive players. Um, yep. They don't need to be coached because they play with that natural flair, which I think is one of the reasons why they're so good in T20s, because just the format of the game uh, compared to test cricket or 50 over, it just, it changes very quickly from over to over. Yep. And where... See the finals. See the finals. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> When I think of like West Indian cricketers, for me, they are the the best example of someone who who can adapt so much more quicker to circumstances because they just have that natural flair. Um, so how is that like coaching them? Because you have to find that balance between kind of having fixed game plans, fixed strategies versus just letting players just play their natural game. Like how does how do you find that balance though? Yeah, like it's a fine balance. Personally speaking, for me, it was my first time in the Caribbean, obviously. So, the first, luckily, I had about a week with the boys at training. And that whole week for me was to just to get to know them as individuals because uh, the cricketing side of it. So, the messaging obviously changes as soon as you know what individual someone might need an arm around the shoulder, someone might actually be a nerd of the game, or someone might actually, if you know, just like it right on their face saying, you know, Dominic is that kind. He is, he, he is someone who likes, he's like a student of the game. Uh, likes to go run through his uh, videos, his numbers, his technique. And then you have the other end of the spectrum who just like a shoulder, uh, an arm around the shoulder saying, you're doing well, just keep going. So for me, my main focus was to find out, obviously facilitate the training sessions and make sure they get in the volume and the quality of practice. But at the same time, most importantly was to find, because I knew everyone from a stat and cricket perspective. I knew what that person could do if they were to bowl a ball or face a ball or field a ball. That I knew. But I didn't know why they were doing it from a very cosmic point of view. If I'm right. getting it too spiritual here, pardon me, but uh, you'd uh, like to know the individual better because that's where coaching comes in. Because you, uh, like like they say, to each his own. Sometimes people just like uh, to be given the space. So the first week to me was dedicated solely and wholly on uh, trying to figure out these individuals. Obviously, you're not looking to coach DJ Bravo or Chris Gale or these experienced cricketers. But the, the other ones who we knew might have a, a huge role to play for us. Uh, yeah, so... Once that week went by, I had kind of had an idea. As a coaching group, we used to have our meetings together and uh, speak to the uh, speak to each other. And what also really helped us was we had planned these one-on-ones with each individuals, where we got to know them even better. Or I mean, aside from the cricketing part part of it, the personal stuff. And there were a few shaking stories, a few nice ones, and then you know so. As the tournament goes by, like I said, you find out okay, you you find out how this person likes to work. Like I cited an example of Dominic Takes. I knew I could go up with him and be a little bit more specific with regards to stats, technique, videos, and whatnot. And somebody else, John Rustagisar, for example, Lansung hero for us, uh, being able to go talk to him about tactics, where he should bowl from around the wicket, over the wicket, what fields and things like that. That information will be given to him before the match. But once he goes into the game, the skip calls a shot and invariably skip is a smart man. He 
rallied its troops really well. And also share with us uh, your role. I, I know you mentioned in detail the, the things that you did in advance of the season, but once the season starts, what does the what's the role of the coach and the assistant coach? Um, because I know, like obviously, you, as you said, you started really well. You had five wins on the trot, um, so there's probably not too many adjustments. But let's say if you know after the three losses, was there uh, was it your responsibility or? Was it more DJ Bravo who was trying to say, let's adjust our trajectory, let's make these changes? How does that go? Uh, with regards to those three losses, obviously this is just a lot more than the what meets the eye. Uh, the very fact that we weren't able to play our first 11, sure, Fain had a web uh, cutting, then you had a Soldier missing a few games because he had a couple of niggles, and then um, DJ himself missing because of his injury, Asif Ali had to pull out. So we knew those were major contributors uh, to what had transpired, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we didn't play our best cricket. And uh, kudos to the team to identify that because they knew they we weren't. I mean, they, that's wrong. We weren't good enough on on that uh, particular days. In fact, three days. So in times like that, uh, I think as as a coaching group, uh, the the messaging again needs to stay consistent. You can't sway up and down depending on results. Again, I go back to the cliche of the process and it is very important to see if we're doing the same things while we were winning and while we lost. If we were doing that, then we're good to go. We were, uh, I would say like, if we were doing 90 things right out of 100, we might have been at 70. So it was, and then you find out what, why the difference of 20. And I'm just throwing random numbers here. Don't think of me as some statistician and not but uh, so you try to find out is this because we didn't turn up on the day or is it because of the skill that was present on the day there's so many other factors but yeah we did uh, congregate together and uh, there was a stage where we we, we kind of uh, while there was a lot of pressure we kind of knew that we would sail through into the semi-finals uh, but it was very important for us to identify and accept the fact that we didn't play good cricket even though we didn't have our best 11 and uh, and that didn't come from the coaching staff I assure you that that came from each individual there uh, in that dressing room and uh, more than the coaching staff's involvement I think it was the set of 20-23 who were there who pulled themselves together in good and bad times Right, that, that makes sense because I, I feel like even Trevor Bayless with the England team used to say, you know, sort of what you alluded to with the process that when things don't go right, the question is, is the process not working or is, is it just the execution of the process that's off on the day? So that's, that's yeah. a very fair point. So last year, of course, because of COVID uh, in the CPL, you weren't able to join and you had to act as a strategic consultant and Courtney Walsh was the one who took over as coach. Um, how was that interaction and could you share any of your you know, learnings from him? Yeah, uh, obviously that also was like a last second uh, change for the whole support staff or, of the Patriots. I had to pull out in the last second because of my commitments with the RCB. Coach Helmet unfortunately got a false positive on his test and he couldn't travel and uh, so yeah initially from my my conversations with uh, 
I used to call him legend. And if I meet him again, I still call him legend. Uh, very, 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 very humble man. Uh, works uh, really hard. Obviously, I wasn't that in person, but from a preparation standpoint, was very clear on what he wanted, what he didn't want, open to ideas. And especially when you're sitting close to, I don't know, 10,000 kilometers away from 10, 15,000 kilometers away, uh, he would always be available on phone for inputs from us because like I said, when you're so far away and you have professionals that as coaches doing the job, you either which ways are a decision aider and that becomes a little bit lesser there. So because they, they're on ground, they know what's happening, what's working, what's not working. Again, put aside the results. Uh, they're there. So yeah, with, with Legend, it was... It was, it was really good just to know that someone who's, who's achieved so much in life uh, is able to put that aside and be the coach he is. So that, again, for me, was a learning. It's very, it's very easy to strut around with what he's achieved, but to still be humble, to be open to ideas, to let me know if something works or doesn't work, that also was, uh, was great. Now, you know, obviously we, we spent a lot of time talking about your, you know, your coaching and your role that's, a, you know, assisting with strategy and all of that, but you're, you're a first class cricketer yourself, right? Have you stopped playing or are you still active? Oh, yep. Yep. I, I have stopped playing that, that, okay. that's also script script right out of the movies. So um, was appointed by RCB sometime in September, 2019, and they gave, gave out a fresh press release on the 19th, I think, 19th or 20th of September. I don't remember the date properly. The press release was at 12 o'clock uh, noon regarding the whole, uh, I mean, the new support staff that came in at the time. And at around uh, 6 p.m. in the evening, there was an article saying that uh, the head of scouting is still uh, an active cricketer. Does this whole ground for conflict of interest? 8.15, I sent my retirement email to the Board of Control <laughs> in India and my association in TNCA saying that uh, that's retiring because I, I was absolutely clear on what I wanted to do. The next thing I knew was I got a call from uh, CPL regarding a possible opportunity uh, with one of the franchises. I didn't know which one at the time, uh, but later it turned out to be the Patriots. So, yeah, first-class cricket was for about 2000, 2011, November was when I made my debut for Tamil Nadu against Madhya Pradesh. I think in a year's time, I did manage to play for uh, South Zone as a Durip Trophy also. Uh, but, yeah, that went on for about eight years. Uh, one, how, one last push. With... I, I'm, I'm just curious, how did you make that decision so quickly, though? Because you're pretty young. You know, uh, a lot of cricketers make their I was debuts. Thirty at the time, yeah, I was right. At the time. Still, yeah. still, a lot of cricketers make debuts for their countries, like thirty-two, thirty-three. Still, um, and your skill set. You know, you're a bowling all-rounder. You know, we see a lot of those players in high demand, um, not just at the international level, but even like T20 franchise level. So, how? did you make that decision? Like what led you to arrive at that decision that, okay, you know what, I'm done with playing. I'm ready to like move on to the next step, which is what I want to pursue, which is, you know, coaching. How did you come to that decision? 
Okay, I'll try to break this down. I've never been, I was never a cricketer who had a lot of flair. If you, you wouldn't pay money to see me play cricket. Uh, that's how I looked uh, when I played the game. But I had to work really hard. Not like, not that others don't, but I really had to put in the extra hours just to compete at the same level as my peers. And uh, which led me to my interest of, you know, the technical side of the game because I needed to work out batsmen when, because as a spinner, I had the leisure of watching them bat for about 10, 15 hours, especially the openers. Um, so I needed to be one step ahead when it came to uh, getting the batsmen out because I uh, somehow that just naturally attracted me uh, while playing the game uh, and even bowling, uh, even while batting, I mean. I would know uh, from a very feel perspective if a bowler was uh, in rhythm or not because again I've gone through the whole grind of bowling well not bowling well and I knew how I would react when I was bowling well when I'm not bowling well and so these kind of things always interested me a lot so that was the the first foray into uh, technicalities of the sport where I would just sit down and watch videos over and over again of different batsmen almost like a thesis if I may say, say so where I would just randomly pick up some video on YouTube, write down my own inferences of those techniques of batsmen, bowlers, uh, and things like that. So that, that's been happening since, I think, 2010 or things like that. And the other thing, interestingly, was uh, two people played a very important role other than uh, my family, uh, my wife. Uh, one was in 2014, W.B. Raman, and the other person who played a massive role in my development uh, as a cricketer, as a person, and w- whatever next is uh, Shankar Basu. And he wouldn't, uh, it was whenever I saw him, it, it, he always held a mirror in front of him. So I know exactly what I am and where I was. And uh, coming from a state where you had R. Ashwin as the off spinner before you and Washington Sundar after you, uh, I knew maybe when I was 28, that my dream of playing for the country was more or less done. Uh, But as a cricketer, you're always looking to push yourself, saying, no, 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 it can still happen. So my last push was when I went to Uttarakhand. But sitting back and thinking, now I knew that uh, that year uh, with Uttarakhand was more uh, a move to satisfy myself, saying that, you know, I tried everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. So... To make the call, uh, I, I just find myself fortunate to have these uh, uh, opportunities uh, uh, which I have today. So the important part for me was to identify that I wouldn't be able to excel in my sport anymore. Uh, playing for India is one thing, but there wasn't any purpose towards me excelling the sport is what I felt after a point. I might become a better cricketer. I might do things there, but I wasn't able to see the what next. And uh, like I said before, when you're coming from a state from like I did in Tamil Nadu, uh, things got a little difficult for me. And uh, and when, like I said, the two opportunities which came in for me, it kind of made it easier for me to accept my situation. And uh, I pounced on both opportunities which came my way. And did did you perceive any certification or like take any course for that? That's yeah. So 
September, like I told you, September 20th to 19th, I called time on my career. And we obviously got busy with the auction, with the IPL and whatnot. And I had enrolled for certificates uh, through the year, post the IPL, both uh, with BCCI. And, and you know what happened after March, COVID hit and uh, it's just been a, a roadblock. But to my pleasant surprise, what I've learned over Twitter in the last 12 months, 12 months is too much, the last five months. So I went on a follow spree. I have, like I told you, I've never precious about my work, myself, and I have no egos. I can learn from any anybody is what I believe. I went on a follow spree uh, and I followed every person who thought who could speak technique. Hmm. And I'm not saying they're speaking right or wrong, but so I think that's how I went and followed my calls for here. I remember. So like, like I was telling you, in the last four or five months, the amount uh, I've learned or just been exposed to, uh, sometimes it is validation of your thoughts. Sometimes it is new learnings. So hmm. Twitter by itself has been an institution. You guys should start giving out certification. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can, so I, can I say, can I say you're the you're probably one of the very few people who is using Twitter the right way. Uh, nobody yeah. uses Twitter to learn or improve themselves, uh, but you're doing it right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if you are going to be sitting here and think on your high chair and thinking I know everything, you're done for. And I'm not saying everyone yeah. does that, but uh, Twitter, the social media is very interesting. They they show you content what you've been looking at. And uh, to me, other than all the scouting tools I have, I also find Instagram as one of the best scouting tools there. <laughs> that is because all these cricketers are putting up videos left, right and center about themselves. Sometimes you just don't get the feed from game. You just go to Instagram and find them. Yeah. Simple as that. <laughs> so Twitter that way, I think I, I don't remember the handle first time around. So I've got like a bunch of people I follow for stats alone. I have a bunch of people who I follow only for technique. And I just have a bunch of people for videos. Uh, so so sometimes I might read something about a stat. I'll pop that in the side of my head. Coincidentally, right. two or three weeks later, someone might have spoken about the stat in a very technical point of view. And that stat will make sense two weeks later. Right. And then you see the video and all three marry like this, no tomorrow. It's fascinating because it's not just players, you know, like we talked about, there are, you know, regular cricket fans who, who post videos where they kind of break down, you know, like a, either as an action or like a tactic yeah. or whatever. So it, it, it's fascinating if more people who are involved in T20 teams, you know, they are kind of keeping an eye on all of this and, you know, kind of yeah. using it to fine tune yeah. their strategy, that, that would be very, uh, you know, very impressive and almost validating for all these fans who do spend a lot of time yeah. not just following the game. It's easy to pass opinions and say, oh, this was a terrible, you know, shot or, you know, very poor bowling, but it takes another kind of really devoted fan to kind of sit down and try to understand. Break it, it. down. Yeah, right. They're right. Absolutely. Break me up. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. Commendable. I'll also say it's commendable because we talked to a sports scientist uh, just last week or was it a couple of weeks ago? And the he was lift. saying, that, yeah, yes. about the back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we asked him candidly after the podcast about, you know, 
um, how he has seen reaction from people inside the inside the sports cricket community. And he's always he said that you know he's faced hesitation to people telling you what you can do better or you know even just yeah. making a comment. So it's it's, yeah. it's great commendable that you keep your eyes open and you know try to learn. That's that's definitely commendable. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. But the good work has been done by you guys on Twitter, and uh, I'm just uh, gaining from all the work you guys are doing. Uh, yeah. So, like I was telling you guys, these four five months uh, with after the IPL got called off, uh, in my desperation, like I told you, I, I I just like excelling in what I try to do. Rather, I try to I'd like to think so, and. man i went crazy i used to spend about 3 4 hours a day just trying to make sense of what people are take a bat out oh okay i saw something on power hitting today which was very interesting that that that's a great mindset to have and uh, i'm you know i'm interested to know if you have any coach you know either at the international level or at a franchise level that you look up to and you want to emulate that person is there any any such person like that for you uh, i wouldn't say so with all due respect to all the people i'm working with i'd like to be the best version i can be and mm. i'd like to learn from everyone and i think that's what i've done even as a cricketer as a cricketer i used to try to copy all the actions then one day it hit me that you know i can't do that <laughs> i have to mm. find out what works for me but at the same time i'm trying to learn from everyone like i told you from 2010 to 2022 as a cricketer now as a coach or a, a scouting a talent id head you you try to get the qualities of each person but for me what is more important is how malolan is as a person and how i can be as honest as i can be uh, those core values are more important for me uh, the coaching side of it it keeps evolving what was a good coach in 2015 was different to what it was in 2018 and what it is now in 2021 so that keeps changing but what stays constant is the human being and the qualities of that human being so that's what i want to emulate as as a priority for myself is being a very good human being and as trends change you have to change and facilitate your your development as a coach right well Malo, before we, we we wrap it up, um, yeah. do you have any ambitions of, you know, becoming like a head coach of like a national team? Is that where you see like your trajectory going forward? I got a very bus-killing answer for this, but I I honestly am <laughs> not looking too far ahead. As of now, I'm just taking things as as it come. Like I said. it always fascinated me what football managers said one game at a time the next yeah. game is the most important one so for me what i have now is the most important thing for me be it what i have in my personal life or in my professional life what i have now is the most important thing and what how i can become a better coach and a person from these two things so you don't think uh, like 10 years 20 years from now you don't think like that who new code is going to come i mean i i i can't i'm not able to think of uh, 10 years from now if you're able to tell me <laughs> this i really can't because see that this goes back to your previous question of who i'm trying to emulate as a coach to, today it might be someone who's doing very well but his the way he works today may not be successful in 2 3 years time mm. 
may not be maybe you don't know so yeah. predict uh, even even uh, as as someone who has to scout for talent the toughest part is pre- predicting the future right and uh, if you ask me that closely impossible you can only judge a talent for what you see on the day so having right. said that uh, aspirations are uh, uh, not too long sighted for me now i'm just looking at what i have right now so these two jobs with the two franchises and what i have from a very personal standpoint my family and my friends try to make the most of it and try to become a better person and we'll see where life takes me after that because you just can't yeah. uh, the way the world is functioning now you i think the wise thing to do would be to is to make the most of what you have today because uh, you never know what's going to happen later very well said i mean uh, i appreciate that frank answer because obviously for us we don't we're not working in the sports field we're not working in that area imagine this uh, benny Yeah. you're playing cricket one day then out of the blue you've been uh, invited to take over a couple of portfolios into different franchises mm-hmm. i never thought that was going to happen yeah if you'd ask marlowland from 2019 what is your aspiration 10 years time i swear my answer would have been different and that is the learning i got right uh from this is that life can change what i have now today i may not have it might get better so make the most of what i have now so yeah sorry and, and i interrupted is, you but i just need right no no that that's that's great because you know as regular cricket fans we don't have that we we cannot identify with that right because for me let okay let me talk about myself um i i cannot have that same mindset right where i let, i can say you know i have a wife and a young child i can't be like oh let me just take it one day one year at a time in my line of work i need to think five years at a time 10 years at a time absolutely so, absolutely but in your field it's different just because of the way things work in sports and cricket and coaching things are always changing things are always evolving so you don't know like you said two years ago you could have predicted this but it's good for us to know it's it's very useful for us fans to know because i don't know if this if this is going to help you mm-hmm. uh, a while back i told you about how you wouldn't pay even a penny to see me play cricket if i was able to go on to play for 8 years of first class cricket trust me i'll find my way if i don't have anything that's that's the way i see it again it's very easy for me to say i believe in myself and for me i'm just grateful for what i have today and i'm again starting to sound a little spiritual philosophical and what not like but that's what i genuinely believe what's the worst that could happen is that i have to reset hit the reset button and figure it out i too have a family i have a two year old son and i think that would push me to find an answer is the way i see it right yeah so i'm pretty sure uh, even you i i hopefully you don't have to make those calls but you everyone will figure out a way right you know what i i cannot think of a better way to end this conversation uh malo th- thank you so much for your time i know it's been a long day a long week and you have a busy few weeks coming up ahead um yeah. so yeah. wish yeah. you all the best get some rest and uh thank you again thank you thank you for having me uh it was a yeah. pleasure talking uh, to the two of you i would have also liked to have spoken to your other two mates but uh, maybe sometime in the future we can 
get back on this and uh, speak over please. but thank you for having me and uh, it was wonderful talking to the two of you well that's it for this episode of the last wicket thanks again to malo for joining us and sharing his experiences in the circuit Meanwhile, if you enjoy this conversation, do rate and subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Also, if you're still listening, please do us a favor and answer the survey about our podcast that is linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy.